Boom. And Peru. This is Rebootable Local Perspective coming to you live from the Trinidadian Republic of Trinidad and Tobago in the Caribbean. The one and most unique podcast where we approach the New Testament, identifying some of the misguided westernized perspectives, giving context to the rediscovered spiritual dynamics of the scriptures by the lens of Rabbi Yeshua and his apostles with informed commentary on their perspective of spiritual physics verified by our pragmatic and experimental research carried out under the Zane K. Kitura International Institute of Pneumatology. I am your host, Zainul Fuego, the Christ Pneumatologist. And co-hosting with me, of course, is the lovely... I am Lady Kitura, your Christ Mentor. I am absolutely delighted to be here together with Zane so that we can share with you all on a very exciting topic. Today we're going to share and discuss, discuss with you some of the rediscovered truths that we have found in the Holy Bible, which is like the manual for living. In this particular episode, those who will benefit will be of a few categories, which I will highlight now. So feel free if you identify with any one of these to tune in. This is definitely going to be a game changer for you. So if you are in a leadership position, this is for all our counselors, therapists, coaches, pastors, and I haven't named all, but you know yourself. This is also, this also fits the category of those who are facing an identity crisis, a midlife crisis or a quarter life crisis. And last but not least, those who are feeling unfulfilled with the course or the direction of their lives. So as we all know, we are in the midst of a pandemic and many people Many people, millions of people, are facing personal crisis as well as identity crisis. Something like this has no respect of one's age. Because even after existing here on Earth for a long time, as a result of the pandemic especially, some people find themselves questioning their significance. And some are even dealing with internal conflicts that will help that are questioning where they question their value, their life, and who they really are. But before we go on, just going to share a fact with you. I mentioned the term identity crisis. So I'm just going to share where it first came from. So this term came from a developmental psychologist and psychoanalyst, Eric Erickson. And for those who are familiar with it, this can be a very, this identity crisis can be very, very stressful for persons dealing with it. From a new mythological and biblical perspective, we have found the solutions. So if you stay tuned by the end of this podcast, you will have a very clear understanding of why you may be experiencing the identity crisis. You will be able to identify the hidden beliefs that have kept you trapped in it. And you will also gain a basic understanding of who you are and what you really mean to this world. So, Zane, I'm going to trade question back out to you before we continue. So, we touched on a topic last week that is very much intertwined with what we're about to discuss here. Mm-hmm. We talked about the words. So, for those who are listening... Can, why don't you give us a recap of what we covered so that we can bring some context to what we're about to dive into. Yeah, so last week in particular, we started off by taking a look at John chapter 1, um, verses 1 to 5. And the first thing that we identified was, what is the word? And just to just to recapitulate what we covered last week, we identified that the word was simply God's thought of himself that was actually breathed into dust and therefore that the word god's thought became flesh which is also what we refer to as the breath of life with what the genesis narrative refers, refers to as the breath of life as well as the spirit right breath spirit mind heart all of these things are pretty much parallels in the scripture so when we look at the word in particular we're looking at god's thought about himself that is actually breathed into dust. You would meet flesh. Wow. All right. That's so good. I love how you recap that. So then you mentioned something a while ago that um, I'm sure probably caught the attention of those who weren't here last week to hear what we shared. You said that we went into the Genesis narrative. Yeah. What? So what really happened in the Genesis narrative with the breath, the breath of life? No, no, that this is a very good that question that you asked is an excellent question. And I think it is an excellent question because because of the this this in particular what I'm about to say here has been pretty much lost for some time over possibly centuries. Um 
the modern day world in particular has pretty much they've begun to somewhat lose a sense of um, value for that for the bible or for scriptures and and what we are about to talk about here is definitely very much applicable it's just not explained or emphasized or this is not really the the, the focus in particular and because of that people actually have a, a a little a little quandary with regards to how the bible really applies to modern day life yeah so what what happened in the garden in particular was simple was, well i shouldn't say simple but it is simple <laughs> <laughs> it's simple once you get it <laughs> right so um overall i mean we don't need to sit down and and, and try to read the genesis narrative all, all over again but what basically took place is that the same man that was created in in the garden he was actually god's thought about himself breathing to dust and therefore the image and likeness of elohim or yahweh elohim himself right and what really took place is that some deception took place in the garden where instead of actually now let me just actually say this because the man in the garden was actually the image likeness of god who is identified in the narrative as yahweh elohim the names there's something very particular about names in the, in, in the bible that most westernized believers may overlook and that is that we for example in, in the westernized community in our greco-roman perspective and greco-roman mindset we approach names from the perspective of labels mm-hmm. so for example someone is named this and he actually using name as a label like to, to be able to identify them amongst other things or other people right yeah we do and it is very important to note because if, if this is not understood then you may not even understand the gravity of what took place in the garden in the garden narrative is that names in the in the scriptures from the ancient hebrew perspective are not just labels names names in particular indicate not only um it's not only used, used as a label yes but it actually is a lot more than that it indicates essence and it also identifies function okay which which means if if when i say function it literally identifies how this being functions so if man was the image and likeness of Yahweh Elohim, then the name Yahweh is actually translated as the self-existent and the eternal. And Elohim actually means authority, authoritative power, or powerful authority. And so if the man is actually if the man is actually created in the image and likeness of Yahweh Elohim, then He's actually made an image and likeness of the self-existent and the eternal authoritative power. In this case, those those names in particular identifies how he functions. So he functions self-existently. He was he was created to function self-existently, and in that fun- self-existent function is it is is eternity, eternal life. Which is where the whole idea of eternal life comes from, because the breath of life in the garden was the breath of Yahweh Elohim, and Yahweh Elohim is the eternal one. Therefore, his breath will be the breath of life will be the breath of the eternal one. So, before you go on, mm-hmm. um, you were actually talking about the name as we. So, I just want to elaborate on this a little bit, so that those listening wouldn't be lost, because this may be a new idea, especially for those who are not familiar with the Hebrew system of thought. So name as identified in the Western world, we have attributed, let's say, a pen, the name pen, so that we can identify it amongst other things on our desks. Uh, So you're saying basically that pen is named a pen, if if it were named by someone who wrote the Bible, the authors who are familiar with the ancient Hebrew system of thought, the name pen would be related to the function so it will be called a pen because it can write. Because it, it is functioning in a particular manner. In other words, the names in the, in the ancient Hebrew perspective actually are titles. 
just for example another good example of that would be you know in an in an actual in a place of employment in an office you have a manager there's a title uh-huh that title comes with the comprehension of a particular function oh it's, definitely it's understood that that function comes with the name with the term manager with an accountant it is understood that there is a function that comes with that um within with the with the title supervisor it's a function employee function landlord all of those these these, these are titles that actually are attributed that the also determines and gives an understanding of the essence and function of the person that actually falls in or the uh, of the person that is attributed that title okay god was just saying so when you said that um the man because it's very common for people to think that when god made man that he simply just made him as a human being to exist on the earth and so because of that understanding it i think it will be with elaborating on this part in particular so that our listeners can identify separated from the westernized perspective that when man when god breathed into man he made man the image and likeness of god based on what you're saying he breathed into him a function similarly to how a doctor functions in a particular capacity right. and accountants and so on right so the, that same breath in particular the breath of life being the image and likeness of yahweh Elohim, means that he takes on the function also of Yahweh Elohim. And if God is self-existent and functions self-existently, then the Adam in the garden was was, was created to function self-existently, which wow. which is where his eternity, which is where it, his his eternity comes from. Okay, so his just function, a, just as God, sorry, just as God is also the authoritative power, then he's 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 he designed to function via the perspective of authority. Okay, gotcha. So, simply put, the man was, sorry, God breathed into the man, the Adam, mm-hmm. and he breathed into him the function which made the man function in God on the earth. Yes. Boom. Yeah. <laughs> so, when this, when, when, when this took place with, with this function, what really took place is that through the deception that took place in the garden, man was actually deceived to change or to add a function that was not within the function that he was attributed so through the deception man actually began to self-existently before i say that self-existently from the perspective of self-existence everything that you generally need is actually breathed into you and therefore to live self-existently would be first to identify what has been breathed into you and to and to act inspired by what has been breathed into you. Which simply means that you're not using any external influencing factors. You are self-determining, self-generating. Gotcha. No, this is actually, by the way, in the New Testament, it is reflected by the Holy Spirit in your heart. You're actually living from the inside out. Now, in, in the garden in particular, through the deception that took place in the garden, man was the the Adam was actually tricked. Well, he was actually um, and they were tricked to pursue life externally, to pursue what was already internal, to pursue it externally. And so, man in 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 particular, from eating from the knowledge of the tree of from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, which in modern day English can also be can also be stated the tree of the knowledge of what is functional, the tree of your subjective knowledge, of your own knowledge of what is functional and dysfunctional. What he did literally this what he what he literally did was begin to function contrary to what contrary to the function that was attributed to him, which was using external points of comparison. Now the, the words image and likeness can be said in our modern day um, in our modern day English as mental image and point of comparison so if you need if you need image likeness of god you are you actually need mental image and, and you're using god as your point of comparison to be able to determine who you are what you are what your potential is what, and how you and, and how you actually um pretty much how you function 
right. your perspective, your frame of reference. When so, Anna, when, when Anna made his decision in the garden, he changed his function and he began to function um, from an external point of comparison. In this case, from eating when he ate of children, when he ate of the children of good and evil, what he literally did was began to use the tree as his new point of comparison. Now, according to the ancient to that in, uh, to the ancient Hebrews, he used the tree as his, as his point of comparison and began to use it as a point of reference to be to be to be able to determine what he was, what his potential was, and and what his potential limitations were. This is why you notice that he actually ate of the tree and he found himself naked and he clothed himself with leaves. What was what really took place was that he used the tree as a point of comparison and watched and, and using the tree as a point of comparison he reckoned within himself that the, that the tree was clothed with leaves. And he had, if he's using the tree of the point of comparison, then he's actually being the image and likeness of the tree. If the tree is clothed with leaves, then he didn't have, he would have, he would have, he, he was naked. And so he began to clothe himself with leaves. Shortly after that. To... Go ahead. So I just want to address back, because you said something a few minutes ago that actually, I think, again, is something worthy of just pondering on for a moment there. You said that when the Adam basically was made, I'm just paraphrasing, was made to function as God in the garden. As yeah. Yahweh him. So that was the name of the breath, which yeah. is now like his title. What he did, based on what you shared, was that he decided to compare himself with something outside of his spirit. Outside of himself. Right. Which means that instead of functioning as God, he decided to function as what in particular? Whatever he's using as as his point of comparison. Okay, so in the garden, what what did he use? Did he use the tree? <laughs> All right. Literally, no, it sounds it sounds it sounds hilarious, but it is that what it was actually the tree, and you see that he actually dressed himself up like a tree, dressing uh-huh. himself up, dressing himself up with leaves, and then began and then he ran and he hid among other trees. We in our modern English. Normally, they call you. We call that finding your tribe. Right. Okay. That's a term that's definitely relatable. Because I mean, I guess the, the Bible was written at a time where the nature and the particular society that they existed in, um, it was common to, to use trees and all this agriculture and stuff like that as something that people could relate to. In our Western world, I guess we're so busy with what we're doing <laughs> that right. nobody really pays attention to trees and stuff like that. So it really does sound a bit hilarious. And, um, and it, it, it's very important that people actually understand that he didn't hide behind the tree. He hid among trees. Okay. F- finding his tribe. He's actually using, of course, he's going to, which is the common, the common, is, is, is the common, um, the common reaction. So whatever you're using as a point of comparison, you begin to dress yourself with your point of comparison. And then you find those who are using the same point of comparison. It's so true. It's so true. So, um, going back a moment to the what you mentioned concerning the Adam. So he did, he basically compared himself to a tree, mm-hmm. which is absolutely crazy that you would give up your God function to relate to a tree, give up the capacity of God, and in doing that, you said he dressed himself with leaves, which I think is something also weird. And you mentioned that just now that um, that's what people do in our, our modern day. That will be dressing yourself with whatever the tribe that you are relating to dress themselves with metaphorically speaking of course mm-hmm. and from there uh, i just wanted to dress back on the function in particular it meant that once he did that he gave up the i was using biblical terms his spirit and now pretty much lost it all and was now powerless well i, I want to say actually to me more specific i'd say what he did was abandon mm-hmm. his spirit, his own spirit, his spirit within, and began to compare himself with things external of himself, using those external points of comparison. And listen up, this is this is this this is this is where this is where it gets very serious here. Is that what he 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 abandoned that and actually used the external point of comparison as his as his point of personal approval. Or personal validation, self-validation, or self-approval. Wow. 
all of that taking place right in the book of Genesis. <laughs> it's, well, it's so common for us to relate Genesis to the creation of the cosmos. This is really good. Now, this in particular, in this in particular, this um, what he did was actually included a function that was he actually included he being the first man was pretty much like the the leader of the entire species and so whatever he did was pretty much incorporated in and into himself which caused corruption of his nature and all of his descendants inherited this okay so all his children after that pretty much will uh everybody inherited that gotcha and so now you, you actually asked me about the the what 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 really took place in the garden and it would be unfair for me to actually not to actually not take that right back to Yeshua or Jesus because that was actually the 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 the, the, Adamic, the Adamic conundrum was the abandonment of his self-existent function for what we at the International Institute of Pneumatology call identity codependency Okay. Right? He was actually creating a self-existent identity and he abandoned that for identity codependency, which is the conundrum of men throughout all um all of his all of his lineage. Now when you look at the scriptures in particular, what you really see in the Bible is that you see there is a flow of how men in particular all of his descendants pretty much repeated the same thing that he did and so you notice that in the in in the scriptures you see people actually using myriads of of um of external reference points and being the image and likeness or actually finding their own image and likeness so to speak because when adam actually made his decision the scriptures actually says that he reproduced in his own image and likeness mm-hmm. which whichever point of comparison he used and throughout the scriptures and even throughout history you see people using the, doing the same thing they inherited the same function which is using money as a point of comparison to actually for personal validation using wealth using women using possessions using social status using fame all of these things are just an abundance and myriads of of um of options for identity codependency it's so true and what simply takes place there in particular is in this identity codependency is that whatever they use for this personal approval or self-validation what they're literally doing is using that to define themselves to define who they are to define what they are to define their potential and also to determine the limitations. Right. This, and is, the, this is the entire, this is the whole Adamic conundrum. It's so, so true. Because what you're saying there, um, we see it in society where a lot of people don't feel fulfilled. The identity codependency, you just mentioned that, you know, uh, we see that in society where a lot of people don't feel fulfilled till they have acquired certain possessions, as you were right. identifying just now, I, you know, in wealth. Whether they, they don't feel fulfilled if they're not married, um, or it, if it is basically what they use as their priority, exactly the source of inspiration. Now, the, the entire scriptures, sorry, the, I just want to actually say before we move on to anything else, is that the entire scriptures, the entire panorama of the scriptures demonstrates how all men in particular followed after the nature that they inherited from the first Adam, from his decision. Mm-hmm. And, and amongst these men, you had priests and prophets that would actually take on the identity of Yahweh. In essence, what you were looking at were men. These were the men that were, that were actually set apart to take on the original identity. So that the priests and the prophets, when they began to function, they began to they take on the name of Yahweh. This is why they would say, like, thus says Yahweh, and I am Yahweh. They take on the, the, the name, which actually means that they're actually taking on the, the original identity and, and and actually functioning as the pre-fallen Adam. Now, yeah. all, all this leads to Yeshua, which, by the way, 
is the breath of life or God's breath, God's word, breathed into dust again. And so what you see in the in the in the in the, in the biblical panorama is that after man, men spent thousands of years struggling with their own nature, God breathes life, breathes the breath of breathes breathes his spirit, his breath, spirit breath is the same thing, into dust, which is in particular what um we will we, be speaking about who the, the person who is referred to as the Virgin Mary here. Because the, the, in the Genesis narrative, Genesis chapter 3, when man made a decision, God said that dust you want to dust, you shall return. Mm-hmm. So what you're literally looking at there is God breathing his thought about himself back into dust again. And this is Jesus. which is And you see this in Jesus where, for example, you see Jesus actually begins to function. And Jesus in time ministry is speaking about authority. Why? Because Elohim is function. Right. Elohim equals authority, authority to power. And so you see that he is functioning in the name of his father, Yahweh Elohim. And I'm saying all of that to actually say that um, with, the, with the Adamic conundrum, Jesus is the one that actually came to, to actually um, restore all of that. And so when we, in particular, we, we are told to believe in our heart and confess with our mouth, that is our first act of self-existent function again. So believing with our heart and confessing our, with our mouth is not something abstract based on what you're saying, but actually something concrete, functional. It's it very means, functional, yeah. It means that just as we, for example, take a new job. I mean, when we go to, to, for a new place, to a new place for employment, we and we get that job we take on a particular function yeah you're you're equating that to believing in your heart and confessing with your mouth as in going forth and doing what your job description says right so when 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 actually jesus did what he did and he restored humanity um what jesus did was now just to be clear what you notice in the scriptures is that jesus who is the word made flesh again he actually took the identity of the fallen man and nailed it back to the tree man got the identity from the tree and jesus nailed the identity back to the tree and restored the the spirit of humanity and so now what what literally took place is that he sent out his his apostles or his, his disciples who became apostles to inform everyone of what has taken place and so your first act of self-existence is believing in your heart and confessing in your mother that jesus christ is is lord but more and more more importantly that jesus christ is your new breath and your next step is to renew your mind which simply means change your logic from identity codependency and come back to your original intention which is identity um self-existent identity functioning from the spirit in your heart and abandoning external influences right i mean it's yeah it does it makes sense and it sounds so simple the way you put it it's it sounds like this crisis that we because we, we started off talking about identity crisis and then right. you pretty much phrased it as in, in the terms according to pneumatology as identity codependency identity codependency and what you're saying is that the solution for the identity codependency is a lot easier than people think it is where i mean people who are dealing with identity crisis because you identify that this was something that originated from the adam and it multiplied on and a lot of people are probably living in the same mindset even though they have the spirit of god in them and and because of that they're not seeing any any dramatic changes or any dramatic manifestation of what the scripture promises because yeah. you, you cannot change what you have not identified exactly so what they're experiencing pretty much because this is i mean this is huge right because we're dealing with millions of people who have been affected by this pandemic and it has affected not only those who have been um victims to the sickness itself or to the illness but also family and loved ones and you know a lot of people are in a limbo 
Mm-hmm. Questioning who they are, who who they really are. Right now, yeah. these persons who are feeling a sense of significance and a massive shout out to them because they are doing a really good job of like the healthcare workers because yeah. they have found a place where they are needed. Front workers, yeah. Outside of that, and they are really doing an excellent job. And outside of that, there are people who are still feeling that void, cut that gap because what the life as they knew has been overturned. And so now there are a lot of conflicts, relationship conflicts causing this um, job. And so you're saying that identity codependency is pretty much the problem that's on the table. That is exactly what I'm saying. And the solution. Everything, everything in particular that you see in the in the world right now, as you have just listed, mm-hmm. actually, actually identifies the identical dependency. And here's how: watch, and this is actually why the sons of God are here to actually make the announcement that Christ, that Jesus, actually restored the breath of life into all humanity, and to get back to self-existent function. Mm-hmm. And here's how. We see, uh, we see the presence of identity codependency. We live in a world that has actually taught. Now, when Adam made his decision, Adam made his decision to... Now, this in particular is not very commonly taught but and not very commonly known. But when, when the Adam was created in the garden, when, when, he was, when God breathed himself into dust, the Adam actually had the, had the option. He had actually one of two options, to build a civilization on the earth. Which is why he was told to go forth to build a civilization on the earth based on the principle of the tree of life, or to build a civilization based on his own knowledge of what is functional and dysfunctional. And so, all throughout history, and even in, in the presence of our modern day society, where there is the presence of this pandemic and these global crises, what you see reveals identity codependency. And here's how the society has actually taught us. Has, has taught that you should actually use things like money to determine who you are, what you are, what your potential, what, what, what your potential is and what your limitations are. To use your profession, to use a job, to depend on a job. Now, all of these things, to use, to, to use um, social status, to use fame. Relationship status. Relationship status, whether you're married or you're not married. Whether you have a good job or you don't have a good, uh, um, to actually to have a good job, to, to use that as when it, and, and you hear it in different in different ways. For example, it is taught, you know, to be a man, you need to have a good job. To, to be a woman, you need this. You're not considered a, 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 a real woman if you're not married. And if you have kids, come on. <laughs> All of these things are actually yeah. factors that are that are taught to be used as points of personal validation and self-approval. When this pandemic took place, what you saw throughout the entire world was the dependence on employment. Now, I'm not saying that employment is is bad. It is in no way bad. It it fulfills a function. But it, ident- it, it actually reveals the, the, the codependency on these things around instead of actually a not self-existent identity. Now, how this is present is very simple. When you're actually using an external point of comparison, when you are actually getting what you, are, what you have established as your point of comparison in, its, in the presence of your point of comparison, or whatever you're using as your personal validation, you feel strong. Yeah. Remove it and you step into anxiety. Yeah, you, yeah, I can. You step into fear. You step into feelings of inadequacy. You step into depression. Yeah, I can relate to that. You know, like, um, because for me in particular, when, because I, I, I came out and I'll share a personal testimony of myself here for those listening. Mm-hmm. So I had to make a decision a few years back to actually stay at home to take care of my kids, right? And, um, when I made that decision, there was a lot of, I stepped into anxiety at a particular point in time because little did I know that at that point in time, I was actually using that to yeah. determine my worth and my value. Yeah. So the, the particular organization I was working for had a, a reputation and a status of a good one, not a bad one. Mm-hmm. And leaving that 
to stay at home, I felt so incompetent. I felt like eventually when the truth of what I did had actually hit me, I felt like a less of a person in society. Right. And it took me years to overcome it. The anxiety kicking, depression. I started to feel like, you know, I lost my importance in the society because yeah. here I am home with my kids doing, you know, motherly stuff. And, you know, my friends and so on are actually there making that money buying new stuff, going out, hanging out. And so my life had flipped upside down. And I'm right. sure many women out there can listen because this is something that um, a lot of families are forced to make that decision, especially because of the pandemic as well, to make make that choice to do what's best for your family, whatever best is. Right. And so I felt really, really horrible. And, you know, I wish I had known this before. <laughs> it would have saved me years of depression and feeling like less of a person. You know, I literally went into a hole. Like a lot of people do, you know, I went like underground for some time. I didn't want to talk to people because, you know, the first thing when you greet other people, the first thing they'll start asking you about is uh, like job related stuff. How are you doing? Right. Ask about the kids and that's fine. But then when they start to get into that topic, I felt like, okay, let's not go there because I wasn't doing what the society had decided or determined successful right. was. Yeah. And, and so, that, uh, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. So, um, so for those who are listening, I just, in that particular, who fit that particular category, I just, based on what we have shared here, you know, this is just a word of truth and encouragement, encouragement of the truth, that these things are excellent, the job and, you know, the status and so on, they're great. And I salute that. However, as in said a while ago, it has a function. And you also have a function. And part of your function is not to compare yourself with people around you, uh, things around you, and people who may seem that they like they are successful. I mean, I applaud and admire successful people according to what the society has deemed successful. At the same time, According to what we have, the, the, the rediscovered truth found in the Bible, your potential is far greater than these things. And it's not limited to that. Yeah, so um, this in particular, for those, um, what are we, what we're speaking about here and what the presence of what we saw in the world, particularly all of these things that actually reveal the identity of dependency, uh, all of this has been in the scriptures. Uh, it has been the scriptures all along. It's just, it's, it's actually the scriptures have not been viewed through the lens of what really took place in the Garden of Eden and how Jesus is the correction of that. Uh-huh. And so when Jesus came, or, or the presence of Jesus, or Jesus, the purpose of Jesus is really to actually have restored humanity. And this is why, as, as, we mentioned, as I mentioned earlier on, uh, this is why Jesus, particularly, he... The, um, Jesus nailing the the identity back to the cross and restoring basically literally restoring humanity our 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 purpose and message as sons of God is to is actually show everyone that Jesus has has, has already um, fixed this. Mm-hmm. Now you can now the, the the message is to reorient it your identity codependency because you're not designed to function like that but to function from self-existence and identity self-existence and self-existent identity exactly yeah and um in all of the all of the world that we actually live in here today this is actually needed it's very pressing it's all around us mental health issues emotional health issues all of these things actually come from the perspective or the mindset or the logic of identity codependency and um, the self-existent identity in particular is the solution to all of this. When you step into self-existent identity, you no longer use external things as points of comparison. How, how, how is this simply approached? According to the scriptures and according to what's mentioned in Genesis narrative, particularly in Genesis narrative, what we see what what we um what we see in particular is to actually reorient that simply means that you need to know identify yourself by the original identity because through identity codependency you literally 
choose what you identify yourself with. And that breath that you're breathing is also, in, in, in the Bible, is actually spirit. And that spirit, to actually understand that spirit, you really need to be able to understand what has been breathed into you to, be, to, to begin to function from what um, function from what has been breathed into you from the inside out instead of actually functioning from the outside in as in allowing which which by the way is why the holy spirit has given to us and given to all sons and all 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 um uh, to all sons of god eternally he will never be absent there's a the, the reason why he's actually promised and promised eternally is simply that he is the one in particular that actually determines your identity, your potential, and your function. And if he is present eternally, then there will be never a time that you will need to step into anxiety, fear, depression, feelings of inadequacy. These things will no longer exist from a self-existent identity. So I have a question I'm putting out here for you, for, for our listeners who may be experiencing the identity crisis that we're talking about here. I mean, you share quite a lot that has been so helpful and I know people are really blessed by this. Now let's take this and, and show how to practically apply it to life. So let's say, because I, I have been doing some research in the area and mental health in particular is really, really something that needs to be addressed. When I say mental health, I mean people are feeling unfulfilled because they, they feel like they have no purpose and of course, that leads to the identity crisis. What then would you define as having a fulfilling life? Now that we understand living from the breath is what really matters, living from your function. What would you say then defines having a fulfilling life for, for someone who wants to step into this or understand how do they really experience this? What would you recommend? How would you, what approach would you take to, to help them experience it? Well, firstly... Um, just just yesterday I was actually having a conversation on this. The first thing that you need to do is to redefine how you use the Bible. Okay. Because in the Westernized world, the Bible is actually treated as something as like rules and regulations and mm-hmm. all, yeah. all of these things are, are, are perspectives that are really independent of the actual thought heritage of the authors of the text. The Bible is actually is, is the Bible in, 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 in of itself is the story of how God made man and made man to function self-existently and everything that he, that, 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 that the man needed was actually breathed into him and man made a decision that caused him to fall below his intended function and potential and 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 uh, on, 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 on while the promise of the Messiah was present, God put in place a mechanism, which is what we call, which is what we know as the the law, um, the law code of Moses, the law of Moses, but uh-huh. what sake law, God right. put is a mechanism, like a control mechanism, to keep them until the Messiah comes. And when the Messiah came, the Messiah nailed their fallen identity. I'm going to put that in quote unquote fallen identity back to the cro- um, back to the tree, which is what he crosses. Um, he nailed it back to the tree and restored humanity with the breath of life. Therefore, when we look at the scriptures, we are not looking to the scriptures for rules and regulations. We look into the scriptures to actually see everything that God has said all the promises of God in the scriptures to really understand what has been breathed into you. Every promise that was spoken by Yahweh is coming from the nature of God and from the function of God. Therefore, all of that has been breathed into you. So number one, you need to actually redefine, as, as I explained there just now, how you're using the Bible to be able to actually identify what you are, who you are, and how you function and actually understand what has been breathed into you. Every single promise in the scriptures is actually what has been breathed into you. Secondly, 
you need to actually understand how to take how to actually create a simple framework to be able to be inspired from what has been breathed into you the same spirit of god has been breathed into you the holy spirit what that um how how to actually literally put a framework in place to be able to walk from inspired by what has been breathed into you to be able to manifest heaven on earth right so these steps that you're identifying here you because i know for some piece of persons hearing it i mean i can sense a lot of people are really getting excited about it because i mean it feels like you're just one step away of finding your purpose and understanding how to live a fulfilling life mm-hmm. this is something i know people will not want to waste at least people who are really serious not want to waste one more day not experiencing is this something that you help people uh, walk them through like if they want a sense of direction something a personalized plan or something to help make this happen this is exactly what we do at the international Inst- at the international institute of Dermatology. what we do is actually educate all interested on what spirit is how spirit functions because everything I, I just explained there are like very light versions of what we teach and what we train to bring people into actual manifestation spiritual manifestation mm-hmm. we have been doing this with 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 um with a with, within the last three years we've been actually functioning in this and I've been seeing consistent results with this. So at the Institute, we, edu- we educate you on what, your sp- what, what spirit is, how that functions, and how to function from the knowledge of that. We also reorientate your perspective of your scriptures. And of course, once that is reorientated, then we help you change your, your logic from the codependent logic the, the codependent identity, the identity codependency logic, the identity codependent logic, to the self-existent logic. Yeah, and I and we also actually do um, coaching in particular for those who actually want to put it on a um, to work it out in an expedited manner. Mm-hmm. We actually have we, we and we actually offer coaching at the institute where we train persons both in group coaching and one-on-one coaching where we train persons to, to actually um, we educate you as I, as I mentioned on what you are on who you are how you function we educate you on what you are who you are and how you function and we provide you with a framework that we have been using over the last three to four years that actually that has successfully worked persons or reoriented person's perspective and bring them into actual manifestation. Not only with regards to supernatural manifestation, but also applying that to marriage, to relationship. We do we do with regards to business. Self, what is the self-existent logic in business, in marriage? As I mentioned, there's no in, in relationship in your spiritual life. Parenting. Parenting. Um, we also train children through the self-existent logic and their experience and they are actually manifesting the same things the same supernatural manifestation we have children that actually walk and, 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 and lay hands on, and heal effortlessly see manifestation like that yeah, so all of this is actually available at the institute awesome so if anyone is interested feel free to check us out we will um be sure to get back to you as they mentioned the coaching and so on in particular if this is something that you're serious about and you want to start experiencing or shifting from depression feeling hopelessness worthlessness if you have lost interest in things you once enjoy and so life seems to be just uh, dull uh, if it has physically affected you and you know the experience like irritability lack of eagerness to interact with society and people and it may have affected like even physically on your body through sickness fatigue uh loss of appetite and so on all of those things are just some of the stuff that are some of the fruits of identity crisis and identity codependency even in your work so if this is something that you think that you 
want to address now and start on it today, you can check out www.patreon.com forward slash sane, C-A-N-E underscore E-L underscore F-U-E-G-O, Fuego. Right, we hope that this actually stimulates your mindset with regards to changing your perspective of the Bible and changing the perspective of the scriptures as the name of this ep- of the of this episode actually indicates rebooting biblical perspective. We hope that this um, encourages you to revisit your perspective of the Bible, to reboot that and to view the scriptures and understand and know that the scriptures are still applicable. Today it will be applicable for us. I think it will be applicable as long as there's codependent identity on the earth. Be app- mm-hmm. it'll be applicable to actually function as your, the user's manual of your breath i want to say that again it functions as the user's manual of your breath all right so this is rebooting medical perspective we would like to give a huge shout out to kingdom purpose tv and radio where we are actually airing live presently you can actually visit them online um you can also check them out on facebook we are Zainan Fuego, the Christ Nematologist, and I am Lady Katura, your Christ Mentor. You can also visit us at www.internationalinstituteofnematology.com. This is Rebooty Relical Perspective, the one and most unique podcast where we approach the New Testament identifying on this on the Bible in general, identifying the misguided perspectives and giving context to the rediscovered spiritual dynamics and physics of the scriptures via the lens of Yeshua as a rabbi and his apostles. Today we spoke about identity crises stay tuned we see you next wednesday same time 5 p.m est boom